Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to our candlelight service. It's so great to have you with us. Merry Christmas, everybody. We're so glad you're here. We are continuing today our Advent series titled Emmanuel. And throughout this series, we've been asking the question, if Jesus is God, why did he become a man? It's no secret that the whole world is talking about Jesus at the moment as they do each Christmas. They're singing songs about him. They're retelling his story through plays and nativity scenes. You can find his words on holiday mugs and shirts. You can find his likeness on ornaments and Christmas cards. But why is Christmas a thing? Why did the eternal Son of God take on flesh just to be born in a manger among animals and to die upon a cross between criminals? Why? Today I want to share with you three reasons Jesus became a man. But before we do, will you guys pray with me? Father God, I just want to say thank you so much for such an amazing service so far. I want to thank you for each person in the room with us tonight. God, you see them, you know them, you know what they're going through, you know the highs and the lows that they've experienced this year. I pray your blessing over each child in this room today. I pray your blessing over each marriage in this room today. I pray pray your blessing over those who are uh, in, in a season of singleness in this room. Wherever we are, whatever we bring, whoever we are, God, you see us, you know us, you love us, and you meet us right where we are at. That's the message of Christmas. You love us so much that you sent your son to commune with us and to make a way back to you. And so, Father God, we just ask that you would bless our time, and we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be glorified in everything we do this evening. And we pray this in your name, and all God's people said, amen. Well, tonight I want to share with you guys three reasons Jesus became a man. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open now to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 4, starting in verse 14. And the the first thing we're going to see in this passage is that Jesus became a man to mediate between us and God, to stand in the gap. To, to bridge, to make a bridge back to the Father. This is what Hebrews says, Hebrews 4, 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession or let us hold tightly onto our beliefs. Now, be honest with me for a second here. Have you guys ever cringed in someone's presence before? When I was 18 years old, I remember working with a man who I don't believe ever took showers. And I remember working with this man and and every, to make matters worse, we would often have to get into a truck together and we would deliver hay and feed all around our community. And just to be honest with you, I often drove with the windows down. Every time we got in the truck together, I cringed until one day I finally learned this man's story. I learned that he lived alone in a tiny trailer in the desert. 
He had no air, no heat, no shower, and no family. And after a year of working with this man, I grew to love him. At one time, I cringed when we got together, but God so transformed our relationship that eventually he became a very dear friend. I share this with you because, to be honest, we're all a bit cringy. Can I get an amen? Let's just be real for a second. We're all a bit cringy, especially in the presence of a perfect and holy God. We're all a little smelly. We're all a little bit dirty. We are all kind of nasty. And Christmas is a reminder of what God went through. He went through a great deal to welcome us and befriend us. Well, to understand our passage this evening, we need to rewind to the book of Leviticus. And yes, you heard that right, Leviticus. In Leviticus, we learn that the God of heaven cannot be approached haphazardly. God is the epitome of perfection. He's the ultimate standard by which everything else is measured. And because of that, the Lord's presence could only be enjoyed on his own terms. God says in Leviticus 19:2, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am what? Holy. Holy is the main word used in the Bible to describe the character of God. It means that God is set apart, that God is different from, that God is wholly other. As holy, God is transcendent and totally separate from sin. Well, the good news is that in the Old Testament, God laid out a temporary means of obtaining holiness and approaching his throne. He established a system of worship called the tabernacle, which served as a copy and a shadow of how he is worshiped in heaven. And overseeing this system was somebody called the high priest. The high priest was the spiritual head of Israel. And he had the special function of coming on behalf of his people once a year to atone for sin. He would make a sacrifice and he would pass through the veil, through the curtain, into the Holy of Holies, the place that represents the very presence of God, where he would then sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, thereby reconciling the nation back to God. And the big idea in the Old Testament is this, every year, year after year, another Yom Kippur, another day of atonement was necessary. And between these yearly sacrifices, every day, day after day, thousands of other sacrifices were made. The process was never ended, never completed, because the priesthood was not perfect and the sacrifices were not perfect. And all of it though was done so that dirty, cringy, sinful people could commune for just a moment with a perfect, holy, righteous, just God. Well, the message of Christmas is this. Jesus Christ came to pioneer a better system. Can I get an amen? Jesus Christ came to pioneer a better system. Jesus came to institute a permanent, perfect path through the veil into the holy presence of God. And that's why Hebrews calls him our great high priest. And he's great because he offered a greater sacrifice. It wasn't an animal, 
It was himself. And he entered into a greater holy of holies. It wasn't a pattern or a shadow of what's happening in heaven. He entered into the heavenly sanctuary itself on our behalf. He obtained a greater salvation. It wasn't temporary. It was once for all. And he serves as a greater mediator, interceding forever in the presence of God on our behalf, standing in the gap for you and for me. With this in mind, we felt compelled this year to remove some of the lacquer on the Christmas story. You see, underneath all the beauty and all the fun and all the lights that we have smothered on Christmas over the years is one very sobering truth, and it's this. Christmas happened so that Easter could. Jesus Christ was born to die. This means that those soft baby hands fashioned in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit were made that nails might be driven through them. His pudgy feet, soft and unable to walk, were fashioned to one day march up a hill called Calvary and be nailed to a Roman cross. His sweet head with sparkling eyes and eager smile was formed in order that one day men might crush into it a crown of thorns. And his tender body, warmly wrapped by his mother Mary and lying there in a manger was crafted to one day be pierced by a spear and reveal a broken heart. Jesus Christ was born to die. He was born to die in order to make a way back to the presence of a holy and righteous and just God in heaven. Can I get an amen? Jesus Christ is our great high priest, which leads though to point number two. Jesus Christ became a man to share in our temptation and our suffering. Anybody in here ever struggle with temptation? Anybody in here ever struggle with suffering? Jesus knows what it's like to be you. Let's get at verse 15. He says, for we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now, does, does anyone ever in here ever feel like people don't get you? Anybody feel like that at times? Like, no one understands me. No one gets me. Okay, I, I, I kind of felt like that growing up at times, especially when I had people over for dinner at my house because I was raised by a fitness instructor, which uh, meant that sometimes my food situation at home was kind of strange. Uh, my mom, uh, she's been into fitness my whole life. Actually, she was teaching classes while I was in the womb and she's still into fitness today. She does CrossFit in the evenings and she runs every morning. Okay, that's just, that's just how my mom is. She's a beast. I don't know if you're allowed to call your mom a beast, but she's a beast. And I remember the first time I invited Carly, who I'm married to now, been married 11 years, when I invited Carly over for dinner when we were dating and Carly asked, she's like, hey, do you want me to bring anything to dinner? I'm like, no, we got it covered. And she's like, well, what are you guys having for dinner? I'm like, well, we're having salad for dinner. <laughs> and she's like, wait, you're having salad like with your dinner or before dinner? Or what do you mean? You're what, what, no, we're having salad for dinner. Well, to my surprise, she still showed up. <laughs> Praise God. We've been together ever since. 
But 10 years later, Carly confessed to me that that night on the first time she came over for dinner at my house, she went to Del Taco first to eat dinner there and then came over to the house to eat a little bit of salad. She didn't quite understand my family and our situation. But you know what's funny now today? Now, you know what Carly likes to eat for dinner? Salad. People change. I'm just telling you right now, people change. We all feel misunderstood at times. Can I get an amen? Am I talking to anybody that resonates with this today? You ever feel misunderstood? You ever feel like people don't get you, like people don't see you, like people don't understand you? Christmas is a declaration that Jesus Christ understands. You see, in every other religion, the gods are apathetic to humans. They don't get us because they have never been us. But Christmas is a reminder that Jesus gets us because he has taken on our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to be a human being. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be tired and and hungry. He knows what it's like to be stressed and anxious. He knows what it's like to be let down. He knows what it's like to be let down when, you know, your, your, your team is beat by Baker Mayfield in the last two minutes of the game. Jesus knows let down. Jesus knows anxiety. Jesus knows what it means to be angry, to be tempted, to be stabbed in the back by a person you love. He knows what it's like to be dirty. He knows what it's like to be sick and homeless. He knows what it's like to feel pain. He knows what it's like to be rejected. Jesus gets you. If you've ever wondered, does anyone get me? Does anyone even see me? Does anyone understand? Does anyone care? Has anyone even noticed? Jesus Christ sees. Jesus Christ understands. He took on flesh to make a way back to heaven. He took on flesh to take on your infirmities, your weaknesses, your struggles. As a human being, Jesus Christ gets you. And although I loved my friend from work and I visited him often and we built this amazing friendship, we, uh, he, he would come over to my house for the holidays and, and we would hang out together. And, and, and I, I loved this, this man and we, we grew really close together. The reality is I've never been in his situation. I've never lived in a trailer in the desert with no heat, no water, no family, no air conditioning. But Jesus loves us so much that he became like us. His name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The, the word dwelt in Greek means to tabernacle. He, he pitched his tent among us and in so doing gained tremendous sympathy for us and the things that we go through in life. Jesus gets us. Jesus understands us, which leads to our final point, And it's this, Jesus became a man to help us in our time of need. Anybody in here today need a little bit of grace? Anybody in here needs a little bit of help, a little bit of hope, a little bit of mercy? If that's you, Jesus Christ came to give you grace in your time of need. This is what Hebrews 4:16 says. Let us then 
with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We celebrate Jesus each Christmas because we know that Jesus Christ is no longer in a manger. He is seated upon a throne. And the throne that Jesus sits upon is not called a throne of wrath. It's not called a throne of judgment. According to Hebrews, his throne is called a throne of grace. And from that throne, he dispenses mercy and he dispenses grace and he dispenses help in our time of need. We are never alone. We are never stuck. We are never too far gone. We are never too broken because Jesus Christ came to help us. Can I get an amen? I can't see you guys too well, so that, that, that helps me. You're never alone. But prior to Jesus, the curtain stood between you and God. Prior to Jesus, the curtain stood between all of humanity and a holy, righteous God. On the other side of the curtain, there was hope. On the other side of the curtain, there was forgiveness. On the other side of the curtain, there was mercy and grace. But the unholy could never approach the holy. The imperfect could never stand in the presence of the perfect. Sinners could never commune with a righteous God. And so Jesus Christ came. He lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death. Bethlehem happened so that Calvary could. And as Jesus suffered there on a cross in our place for our sins, we read in the gospels that he declared one last thing. He said, it is finished. And when he breathed his last, do you know what happened to that curtain that was located in the Holy of Holies that kept sinful mankind out of the presence of God? When Jesus said those words, it is finished, that curtain was torn from top to bottom, making a permanent path into the presence of a holy and righteous God. And here's what this means for you today, church. Here's what this means for you. If you belong to Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, if you confess your sins to Jesus, you will get help in your time of need because Jesus has made a way for you to enter through into the presence of God, the one who, who dispenses grace, who dispenses mercy, who dispenses what we need exactly when we need it and exactly how we need it. God sees us, God knows us, God came down to help us that is the message of Christmas. Some of you need to believe that today. You've been sweeping things under the rug. You've been hiding your regrets. You feel stuck. You don't need to be anymore. Today could be the beginning of something new. Today could be the beginning of a new life. Jesus Christ came to be your priest of joy. Jesus Christ came to reconcile you back to the Father, to sympathize with you in your weaknesses, to dispense help in your time of need. But in order to experience that grace, in order to experience that mercy, in order to take hold of everything that Jesus came to accomplish for you, 
you must believe. I wanna encourage you during this last song to declare your faith in Jesus Christ. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus came for you. And it's on you today to believe and to receive his amazing grace. And so as we pass this flame, I want you to remember that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. No amount of darkness can overcome him. And if Jesus is alive in you today, then no amount of darkness can ever overcome you. The world may feel over your head at the moment, but guess what? All things are under Jesus's feet. Let's remember Jesus's light in his life as we pass this candle.